Welcome to the Nerd Ascended Podcast. I'm Natalie. And I'm Chelsea. And this is what we're nerding out about this week. Hi, nerds. Welcome back to the Nerd Ascended Podcast. And if you can believe it at the time you're listening to this, it is probably very close to the end of December 2019, which is not only the end of a year, it is the end of a decade, which has been quite the decade in the nerd world. Yeah, 2019 has been super full of stuff. I did not get to see or play or experience Same. a lot of stuff that I, I mean, a lot to. of life happened this year <laughs> for both of us. And yes. To get off the nerd topic a little bit, we both Yes, had there was a, a lot <laughs> that happened. There was a lot of health stuff, there was a lot of personal stuff, there was moving, there was um <laughs> This sounds stupid in the context of those other ones, but there was a trip to Europe. I mean, it was just a... (laughs) (laughs) How awful, right? Um, But there was just a lot going on. And last year, 2018, I did not read nearly as many books as I wanted to. And so I made a goal this year to read 35, which I have passed. Um, I've read 37. So I'm excited about that. But that meant I kind of prioritized one of my forms of entertainment and some of the other ones I just had less time for. So when I look back, or I should say when we look back for this podcast at what we loved in 2019, this is by no means a comprehensive list of everything that was out there. Um, I'm sure, you know, everybody listening has seen or watched or read or heard or played lots of things that we didn't get a chance to. So I just want to put the the little asterisk there that this is very much the top everything of 2019 based on what we actually got to. Yeah, what we actually got to do. Uh, And if we had gotten to do more things that we wanted to, yeah, there's there's some things, especially with TV shows that I know for a fact, had I watched them already, would have been on my list instead. Yeah. I did a little better with reading this year. It's my 2020 goal to get more reading done. I love reading. Uh, But I did get a lot Mm -hmm. of TV done. I also watched a lot of trash reality TV. That's my guilty pleasure when... mm, Yeah, I do the same thing. And and beyond the (laughs) trashy reality TV... I watch a lot of Great British Baking Show and other baking shows and cooking shows and stuff. And so those are the things that I don't have to be like, okay, this is my series. I'm going to get in and remember what happened last season. I'm going to, you know, keep up with this each week. And like sometimes it's just a lot. So <laughs> so all that said, all those, uh, all that context, I guess, in place. Oh, okay. So before we get into the best of 2019 let's hear chelsea's two shocking points from 2019 (laughs) the first one has been almost a year that i've had the ability to change my playstation network name because i hate my playstation network name i have not changed it because i cannot figure out a good thing to change so chelsea is currently sourcing suggestions uh (laughs) please email us or tweet at us or send us a dm on insta with your ideas (laughs) for chelsea's psn name Every time I try to think of one, all I can think of is Darth Pancake, which is a name I saw in Battlefront <laughs> so like, once, like two years ago. I know. 
I just think it's a great PSN name, but I can't have it. So Chelsea would love suggestions. I would. Uh, The other thing is the new season of Rick and Morty started about a month ago, and I haven't watched any of it yet. Not because I don't want to. Yeah. Um, To be honest, I can't figure out how to do so. I think it's on the Cartoon Network website. Oh, like, do you have to have a TV subscription? I believe so. So, <laughs> mom, I might be using your <laughs> your cable subscription <laughs> to watch Rick and Morty. Everyone um, shares logins. It's okay. <laughs> I, w- I was kind of waiting to see if Hulu was going to be uploading it or not, but I'm assuming they're probably they're not, not going to until no. the season is done. So, good to know. Yeah, but there's will, only five episodes. And then five more later? I don't know when oh. that later is. I forgot. But I haven't watched any of them yet. And I really want to. I just have to be in the right mental space and not eating. (laughs) Fair. Fair point. And usually I'm in the best mental space when I'm eating dinner. So that doesn't... (laughs) (laughs) So it makes the window for Rick and Morty short. It does. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, that's it. I was shocked by myself for not (laughs) doing those two things yet. Um... So you're, oh my gosh, I was going to say, you only told me one because I can't count. You told me two things about the BSN name and the Rick and Morty. Oh my gosh. Um, to tack on to the Rick and Morty thing, I guess we should also, as we mentioned in the last episode, um, we had not watched The Mandalorian because we didn't have Disney+. Plus. I have the feeling, had we watched it before we recorded our best of everything 2019 it likely would have been on our list and i know that's terrible and sad that we had not watched the mandalorian in time for this but um we have not so keep that in mind (laughs) yeah there's things that i know i will love like the mandalorian i know i will love it (laughs) yes it would it would be on this list if i had seen it at this point yes but i have not but we'll, we'll talk about it once we watch it Yes, we definitely will. But that's actually the perfect lead-in to our first best of everything 2019 category, which is TV shows. So, as you can guess from this conversation that we just had, the TV show category is one that really slipped for me this year in terms of content I was able to consume. (laughs) So, I um, consumed a lot of TV show content, so it was hard for me to pick a top three. Yes, so this actually will be a good balance then because I'll have like specific things just based on what I watch, but you've been able to watch a lot of things, honestly, that I haven't gotten to yet. So Chelsea is going to be able to bring a more well-rounded opinion. (laughs) Um, So I wrote down four. I don't necessarily have them in an order. So should we go through each of ours individually or should we kind of alternate? Uh, let's alternate on this one. Okay. To see if cool. maybe we have, uh, maybe we're sharing some. Yes, because we actually, we took our own notes and did not tell each other what our picks were. So, yeah. uh, along with you listeners, we are all finding this out together yeah. as we go along. <laughs> so, I'll kick things off here. Um, one note I would put here is that a couple of the shows I have didn't necessarily premiere in 2019. I started watching them in 2019. Um, or they they came to a platform where I finally could watch them. So 
that kind of guides my choices here. But the first one I have is a little show called Dragula, which season three did a premiere in 2019, but the original uh, season was 2016, I think, and then season two was 2017. Um we're fans of RuPaul's Drag Race. Yeah. And I think that was I'd, on our top list last year was RuPaul's yes. Drag Race. And we had both heard of Dragula before I knew what it was. It's a another drag competition show um, hosted by the Boulay Brothers. And the concept is different in that it specifically focuses on the elements of glamour, filth, and horror. So um, that's been an element of drag forever Mm -hmm. i mean if anybody's aware of who john waters is and um you know the movies that he's produced like pink flamingos which had divine in it and it was all just crass and offensive and out there and like pushing boundaries and all of that and there is some elements of that on drag race sometimes um some queens like sharon needles who won season four i mean she pushed boundaries a little bit more some of them will too but in general, um, RuPaul's Drag Race will tone down a lot of that. Now, it it still is pushing boundaries, especially as it's become more mainstream, but it, it reigns a lot of that in. Um, they're now on VH1, so, you know, they just, that's the route they've chosen to go with, and that's fine. That's totally fine. Dragula um, just came to Netflix a little bit ago, uh, I think early in the fall, And it only has seasons two and three on there. I actually need to go find where I can watch season one. And I did this backwards when I watched it. I watched season three first. And then I watched season two. And I am just enamored with this show. Mm -hmm. I adore it. It challenges me as a viewer. I will say I see things on on there all the time that I'm like, oh, man. (laughs) Oh, boy. (laughs) You know? And that's, that's why I love it. Because... The competitors they have on there are are really pushing what the, the definition of art is mm-hmm. and making you think about what art can be. And they are so talented. They are so like, very talented. It is insane. Every person. Yes. And they, will, they also are doing things that Drag Race is not in that, um, again, this is not a spoiler-free podcast, um, season three featured a drag king by the name of Landon Sider, and Landon actually won the entire competition. Yes. There was also a Um, non-binary drag performer, Hollow Eve, too. Yes, and Hollow is um, AFAB, or assigned female at birth, um, but identifies as non-binary now. And so those are two performers that RuPaul just would not ever select for his show. And that's okay. It's RuPaul's show. He's looking for a certain type of thing and that that's cool um but i do know landon has auditioned for drag race um and i do know rupaul has said that drag queens and drag kings could not be evaluated on the same criteria on the same stage and dragula completely threw that out the window it did yeah and the people that compete on the show are oh i mean it's it's still drag there's plenty of reading and you know arguing and that kind of thing but it's really cool to see the relationships they build. Um, season three really added an element of talking to each individual person about the concept they were doing for their look, um, which is, you get some of that on Drag Race, but not really 
the same way all the time. Um, and then when I started watching season two, it was hysterical because season three had a huge budget upgrade. I will say that they got a little bit more refined and consistent and, and that's cool. It's, you know, they've got the money to do it and that's great. Season two is just so charming for like, it's beautiful, low budget nature and what they did with it. And, um, I mean, again, just the looks that they put together is incredible and they do floor shows instead of runways so when um the queens or kings or performers come out it's not just them walking down a runway and showing off while the judges have snide commentary in the background they do a floor show performance that gets filmed cinematically set to music so literally every single one of them looks amazing every time whereas on drag race sometimes they do this thing that's like shady editing where it's clear who's not being received well or who's clearly in the bottom because their outfit doesn't look good or whatever this is like yeah someone's gonna go home this week but everyone looks cool as hell yeah you know and let's let's make them look cool as hell with like our filming so it's like i said it's very crass it's very um it can be offensive and that's the Mm -hmm. point yeah that's Um, the the style of drag Yes. So as far as recommending it, um, I would say you be comfortable and open to that. Yeah. It, it can get gross. It can get pretty wild, but it is just such an artistic, cool show. So that was definitely on my list of best TV shows this year. I also had Dragula season three on my best list of TV shows. Uh, you, you said pretty much everything that were reasons that I loved it um and I don't want to compare it to RuPaul's Drag Race because they are to me they're like Disneyland and Disney World like they're different things with different goals yes and I love them both uh but one thing I do love more about Dragula if I am going to compare them (laughs) is the Boulé brothers I feel like they choose their contestants and they truly believe any of them could win Mm-hmm. Like they care about them, and I'm not. It's a show. It's a horror, you know, horror filth glamour. So I don't want to make it sound like it's British breaking show with this wholesomeness, but there are very wholesome parts of it. Like the two of them really care about the queens that they pick, mm-hmm. and making sure their criticism is to make that performer's drag better as their art, and not trying to conform them to something else. Or get them to change it. Yeah. I mean, they they always start each deliberation with, um, or at least they did in season three, and I think they did sometimes in season two, that drag is art and art is subjective and they're not here to judge your art or your drag. But yeah. has how your drag played in this challenge is kind of what they're judging. And, I, you know, I think about the critiques they get on Drag Race – And it's not always like this, but sometimes it's like, you know, really specific things about like, you have to blend your makeup more because, you know, you're just not a very strong makeup artist or whatever. And literally never on Dragula was anyone told, you need to like blend your makeup or whatever. They might have got a comment like, oh, because of the the way you chose to do the floor show and the way the lighting is, like the, the color palette you went with your eyeshadow with for your eyeshadow just didn't pop as much. Like, that's what they would say. (laughs) 
Sorry, I saw Ellie. Boob? Yes. She looked Allie's at me. up there. Allie also is an avid watcher watcher of uh, Dragula. Allie, Allie's goal in life is to be a guest judge on Dragula. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's just... I, it's a weird comparison to make, but it is kind of like Great British Bake Off a little bit to me where... Yeah. <laughs> I'm not really a fan of Paul Hollywood, but I've noticed he says this a lot, especially to the contestants that go home early. I think he's been caught several times saying it where he says you don't get in the tent unless you're a great baker. And I feel mm-hmm. like the Boulay brothers feel that way about their contestants. Like, you don't get on this show unless you are a great drag performer. Yeah. And I love Landon Sider. Landon Sider is one of my favorite drag performers ever now. Yes. And I will say, you know, yeah, I'm totally someone that was just introduced to Landon through this show and, you know, call me a bandwagoner in that aspect. But I think what Landon does is incredible. Yeah. So... And that's just a great name, Landon Cider. Um, but if you can't tell how much we actually love this show, that's only our first item in our first category, and we've spent <laughs> almost 15 minutes talking oh, man. about it. <laughs> so, <laughs> faster. Um, so we love Dragula. <laughs> I think my other two top shows you have not seen. Okay, good. So That's good. Um, I only picked three top three. Three top three. I only picked three top TV shows, and I only did four for movies uh, but i did honorable mentions for tv shows but anyway in my top three also is stranger things three which i know you have not watched yet yep just the first couple episodes uh i thought it was really good even though i had a lot of problems with whatever the hell happened to hopper's character all of a sudden this season um i really didn't like him anymore because he got really shouty and emotionally abusive and physical and and it was just weird yeah Mm -hmm. um but beyond that everyone else did super great um it added a very interesting female character that had a purpose beyond "Mm, we need another female character just chuck this one in to be steve's girlfriend which spoiler alert for you she is not his girlfriend (laughs) she does not become his girlfriend good (laughs) But she's a, she's a, uh, Robin is a very interesting character in herself and she has, um, a purpose to the plot that wouldn't happen without her there. Like no other character could have done it but her. And the story is solid. The kids are great. Joy, Joyce. Why do I always forget everyone's names when we record? (laughs) Because there's so much to keep in your brain, you know? (laughs) It's just. It was just a really good season. I wish I didn't binge it. That's a different rant. But it was solid. It was great. It was solid. Um, It set up maybe some things for a season four that will be very different from where this show started in season one. Interesting. That's... I will finish it by the end of this year. I will say that. Okay. (laughs) So. (laughs) Um, The next one on my list was Game of Thrones. Yes, despite the problems that the final season had. Um, I won't go too much into that because we could totally be here all night dissecting the final season of Game of Thrones. But at the end of the day, this was the end of a long journey for this show. It was a show that I had some things I really loved that I will 
love forever and Mm -hmm. it's one of those things that will be a part of my identity now (laughs) because I'm such a fan of it um I had serious issues with some of the choices in this final season which we've talked about on other episodes and I know lots of people had serious issues with some of these but there were still really standout moments in the season that really still made this like yeah I got to watch the end of Game of Thrones and that is the end of an era for me so it still was a good thing um it doesn't cover up some of the problems I had but I mean having a beautiful scene of Danny walking out of the burning building with the dragon wings behind her um Arya just in general being amazing I mean there there were just some really cool things that I loved so I count it as a win because overall it was a show that I loved fumbled a little bit at the end but endings are hard yeah I put Game of Thrones in my honorable mentions it was really hard to put it there because it is still one of my favorite shows ever Mm -hmm. and it Ultimately, I didn't put it in my top three because I decided to go off the top three that got the most emotion out of me. That makes sense. And not saying Game of Thrones the last season didn't. Like, there were definitely things that got me right in the soul. Yeah. Um, Because even with all the problems we all had with the final season, they were still characters I cared about very much. Yeah. And it was still beautiful. And I'm not, I'm, I'm very glad I was here on this earth at this time that I could have experienced it as it was going. Yes. Same thing. Same thing. Yeah. But I put it in my honorable mentions because my top three shows, I just had a tiny bit more emotional investment in just based off. Mm-hmm. And I had to base that off just the final season of Game of Thrones that was this year. Not Game of Thrones as a whole. Yeah, not the whole package. Yeah. Because if we're talking whole package, we can talk about Hold the Door and how much it yeah. destroyed my life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it it was, I mean, when I say I put in honorable, honorable mentions by a little bit, it was a sliver because Brienne getting knighted is one of my favorite TV yes. scenes ever. And it, I sobbed <laughs> for like two yeah. hours. It still makes me teary thinking about it. Just yeah. because I love that character so much, and she is one of my favorite TV characters. And she got something, like, especially on that show, to see your favorite character get their dream. Yeah. <laughs> it's just so In unexpected. a room of men. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it was, it was great. Yeah, it was great. Uh, but my final top TV show, you may know what it is. I know you haven't seen it, but I've I sent you a idea. lot of... Is it Watchmen? It is Watchmen. Yeah. Because holy shit, that show is crazy. (laughs) Another one that I promised to watch. Oh, it is so good. I was very skeptical about doing a Watchmen TV show set in present time that didn't have too much to do with the original graphic novel or the movie, which they're, they're very connected. It's the same world. It's just... The ultimate question I think they started this TV show with is what happens to this world where these things happened in the 60s, the 70s? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What happens after that? Like, the world didn't end. So what was it like now? Yeah, what did happen then if it didn't end? Yeah. And it is a great show about 
uh, racial profiling and white supremacy and very political, like it's very political, um, which is interesting. I have to get a little pol- political to talk about it, but the graphic novel has Nixon in it, mm-hmm. which was a very fraught time. <laughs> yes. And this one, Trump is not in it, but it's coming out during Trump time. Yes. Which is very important, I think. Yeah, it resonates because of that. Yeah. I mean, I feel like this show could have come out pre-Trump and still been great, but I don't think it would have the white supremacy impact that it does right now. And Regina King is amazing. She better get an Emmy. I guess the Emmys are not the academy where i worry they might not nominate her but they might not because it's a really weird show but she's so good (laughs) yeah well i mean maybe hbo's built up enough goodwill with game of thrones that is true and there was some weird stuff on game of thrones yeah and they still nominated (laughs) i just i can't describe it too much because i really don't want to it's one thing i don't want to spoil any of it for you yeah uh there are a couple an undisclosed amount of characters from the original graphic novel are there. They're, like, in their 60s. Mm-hmm. And they're doing different stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it's set in Tulsa, Oklahoma, which at first you're like, Tulsa? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but it makes sense with where the, the show starts. It has to be in Tulsa, of all places. It's just so good. I know I need to describe it more to describe why I love it so much, but... Most of the episodes end with such a twist that I don't see it coming. And I'm like, but it makes sense. It's not like a twist for a twist's sake, you know? Yeah. And they're not ghosts in the machine. It's just like, like the last episode had such a major twist in it. I'm still trying to process what the hell just happened. And there's still two episodes left. Oh my gosh. Well, we will watch it. I yeah, promise. You should watch it. Um, so the last one I have on my list is an entirely different <laughs> vein than Watchmen. Um, but it's a show that has been on well before 2019, but I just got introduced to it because it came to Hulu. And that is Letterkenny, which is a show about, honestly, country bumpkins in Canada. And it is wonderful, dry, stupid humor. And it is so funny. And... It was like, it's one of those shows that if you describe a joke from it and you're like telling it, it's not funny. Yeah. <laughs> and everybody's like, what? <laughs> um, so you just have to watch it. But it's just been, it's one of those shows that like, you know, you, you pay attention to it because there is continuations throughout the series. But it's been a little bit nice in a, a busy year to have something I can like not have to focus on so hard and just enjoy the stupid humor so yeah that was that was one for me and i put i actually have several honorable mentions for movies because i saw a lot of movies but i put one honorable mention for tv shows and it's because i've only seen um a couple episodes but it made enough of an impression on me that i do need to finish it but that's stump town uh-huh. which is on abc maybe one of I the bcs <laughs> it's one of those i can't remember which one it's on but 
Um, I did get to see the premiere of it at Rose City Comic Con this year, and it's based on a graphic novel and is set in Portland, so I just feel a special love for it. But um, it is actually a very good show. That's good. So um, I'm planning on finishing that one, too, so I didn't put it in my top because I'm not done with it. But it's another one I recommend. Um, My honorable mentions were Game of Thrones. I put The Good Place on here if the finale had happened by the time we recorded this it might have been in my top three um but i decided to put an honorable mention since the finale hasn't happened yet Mm -hmm. i don't i'm not too worried the finale will be bad i just the show is so original i have no clues of how it's gonna end and what happens to all of them (laughs) and i also put silicon valley which ends actually the sunday after we're recording this um, I just have a lot of love for that show. I've watched it since the beginning, and I finally got your husband yeah. to start watching it again. Yep. <laughs> the good thing about sharing an HBO is I can look, and I can see how much he's watched. Yes. <laughs> so you can judge him. <laughs> yeah. It's just, it's a solid comedy. It has really good comedians on it, like Camille Nanjiani is really good. Zach Woods is amazing on it um he gets he does a i've read before that he did a lot of improv lines (laughs) at times (laughs) that are super funny and martin Starr, which i don't think he gets enough credit as a comedian uh it's just a i wouldn't call it wholesome (laughs) yeah (laughs) but it's not unwholesome it's just a it's a solid comedy for me and it makes me laugh and it's super nerdy and the final honorable mention i had was his dark materials which I'm a little bit behind on. I've only seen the first two episodes. Uh, But it's definitely HBO's next Game of Thrones, I think. That's exciting. I need to watch that one too. Yeah, they clearly put a lot of money and time into it. I got to see the premiere a week before it came out because they randomly had a premiere night at the Alma Draft House in Omaha. And I went with my coworker, who is one of her favorite book series, and she was very, very pleased with it. I have not read the books. I have read the books and I've seen parts of like the movie version they did a while ago and it was not good. Um, I did really, really enjoy the books, even though by the end of the third one, I was like, dude, I get it. You hate the Catholic Church. Yeah. (laughs) You know, and so that that got a little heavy handed for me there. But overall, I, I really did love those books. So I will have to check that one out, too. Yeah. So far, I've enjoyed it. It's very mystical and it has uh the girl that was in logan is the main character oh well that's good for her that makes me even want to watch it even more yeah she's very good uh so that's it for tv shows we do you want to do games yeah let's talk about games okay so games it was not a good game year for me they're just i not that i didn't play a lot of video game time I just didn't play a large variety and just not a lot of games came out this year that I was interested in. Mm-hmm. And I know I have a narrow field because I don't want to play shooter gun ones. Mm-hmm. Like when I say that, I don't want everything I play to be guns and shooters. Yeah. And I play Fortnite, <laughs> which isn't a violent one, but it's still guns and that kind of yeah. fills my quota. It's still a first-person shooter. Yeah. And there just weren't any games 
this year that I got really pumped about. Except for Kingdom Hearts 3, which is my little review of it. It's on my top three games, but my review of it is going to make me sound like I hate it. I haven't <laughs> finished it yet. <laughs> it's, it didn't, my, I, I still love it. The graphics in it are beautiful. I did the Big Hero 6 world yesterday and it was a blast. Like fighting with Baymax was super fun. And like a whole, all the Big Hero 6 team were in it. Um, but it just, it didn't grow up with me enough. Like for my, for our generation to be the target generation as adults, it didn't change enough. And yeah. it, it just, it feels like it got way more cheesy. And it's also a little tedious with the save points because you can't save whenever. So like when I was playing it yesterday, I decided it was a stupid mistake. I was like, mm, I'm a little hungry. I'm going to stop after the next save point. It was over an hour until I got to the next time I could save. Oh my gosh, that's frustrating. Yeah, which is why I don't, I haven't finished it because I can only play it when I have nothing else planned after that. Like if I start playing at two, but we have dinner at five. You can't do it. Yeah. And there, there's a lot of cutscenes. There's a lot of, in our last podcast, we talked about showing versus telling and Death Stranding. There's mm-hmm. so much telling. Like there'll be 25 minutes of cutscenes of them trying to explain the very convoluted plot to me again. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm never going to get it. Just let me go to Monsters, Inc. Like, yes. <laughs> Just let me go there. Yeah. So that makes it sound like I don't like it. I have enjoyed it. I'm trying to finish it. <laughs> uh, I just got to the Pirates of the Caribbean world. I don't know how much left I have. But it is in my top three games because I have had fun. Uh, the Monsters, Inc. and the Big Hero 6 worlds and the Tangled world were very good. If you That's ignore the I dialogue. Still... <laughs> yeah. I still need to play that one. So... um Oh, and in our last podcast, I told you I would tell you what that list of most disappointing 2019 games, the number one, was was Kingdom Kingdom Hearts. Hearts. Yeah. Uh, That's a bummer. Yeah. Um, I guess in the the same vein, I'll just do this one quickly because we did talk about it on our last podcast, but I put Death Stranding on mine because I am playing it and it is um, the first game in a very long time that I've actually purchased just for me to be playing. And it the first... uh, major story-based game, I should say. So um, I'm not done with it. It's got its own things like we talked about last time. But all in all, it still has to be on my list because it got me to purchase it. So yeah, that's why I put that one there. Um, Another one on my list is Fortnite, Mm -hmm. which at the time of this recording, I will admit I haven't played Fortnite for months. I That one definitely fell off for me. And it's not because I... I didn't necessarily like it or, you know, it is a time thing. And I've got Death Stranding to be playing and all this. But (laughs) the reason it is still on my list is because when you look at 2019 as a whole, Fortnite did some pretty incredible things as a game. Mm -hmm. Um, It is going to take a lot to top the in-game Marshmallow concert for me on any online game, period. Because... Just from 
what that means for brands, what that means for gaming, what that means for online gaming, like that whole thing is still mind blowing to yeah, me. Yeah, that was back in February. It was back in February and it was a Saturday morning and I was sitting here in my pajamas with you on my headphones <laughs> and I had to keep yelling at Kevin to come over here and put the headphones on so he could hear what was going on. And it, I mean, some of the things that were so great about it were so simple, but just amazing. Like the doing fly by marshmallow and having everybody suddenly be flying right at the drop alongside a gigantic hologram of marshmallow. I mean, there's there's few things that I can think of that have given me so much joy yeah. while playing a game and that that will be very difficult to top. Yeah. So Fortnite was also on mine. I play it several times a week. It's um how we hang out with our friends in Florida. Um which an interesting thing about Fortnite is for me for me is I've become very very good friends with them from playing Fortnite. <laughs> mhm. So you have like kind of a special place in your heart for it. <laughs> yeah, like uh one of my friends I saw her I met her in person once in 2015. And now she's one of my closest friends and I have not seen her in person in 4, in four years. years. Yeah. <laughs> because of that game and the marshmallow concert was something that's never been done or even thought of before uh there are other in-game events this year were very good and i still don't know if anyone else that's doing that like their robot versus the monster one even though it didn't bring massive changes to the map or the gameplay that thing that event was such a labor of love and you could tell like mm -hmm. a lot of people put their soul into making that work so well and then when they changed the map completely and they had that event was just called the end that was amazing to be a part of like mm -hmm. to watch I remember you telling me yeah that the one. meteors come in and things were exploding and you were just kind of floating around and then you got sucked into the black the infamous black hole that made it on uh major news channels <laughs> uh which i know there's mixed feelings about the black hole because it went on for like 36 hours or something like that but it's just so it's just such a smart marketing thing to me because yeah. no one else had ever done that. And while they were doing that, no one could buy anything from like their item shop. Like they paused the money they were getting from Battle Royale for thirty six hours. Yeah, to do something cool. Yeah, to do something cool. And the new map is fun. Um I had my up and down, ups and downs with different Fortnite stuff this year, but overall it's a very innovative game. It gets more hate than I think it should. <laughs> Which comes with popularity. It does, yeah. But it, it did a lot of interesting things. I think they will continue to do interesting things. Um, the last one on my list to do something out of the ordinary, because this category is games, not necessarily video games. It's Dungeons so and Dragons. It's it? Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> I became a Dungeons and Dragons player this year. You did. And obviously D&D &D has been around since the 70s, 80s. I mean, it's been around forever. But over the last couple years, it's really had a resurgence in popular culture. I think part of that is popularity of Game of Thrones. Um, 
and that kind of thing. And there's also Critical Role, the series on YouTube, um, which is a series featuring, I believe they're all voice actors. I think they are playing D&D. Um, but people have gotten so invested in Critical Role and the characters that are being played in Critical Role that I saw people cosplaying as those characters at Comic-Con. Like, they weren't just, oh, a random whatever from D&D. They were that version of that thing from Critical Role. They were that specific character. <laughs> so um, it's obviously got a lot of people really into it that maybe weren't before. But, I mean, the thing I've discovered over the last year, even though, as anyone who plays D&D would know, it is so hard to schedule time when everybody can get together and actually do it. That's the biggest challenge. But it is so much fun. I have no idea why I wasn't doing this before. Honestly, it's, you don't have to, I think a lot of people think you have to be like in character and talking in a funny voice during D&D. Um, and sure you could if you wanted to, but that's one style of role play. You don't have to do it that way. You can do like, you can, you know, if your character, my character's name is Thea, I can say things like Thea goes up to the the barkeep and says this like I don't have to like come up with the voice of an elf (laughs) you know that kind of thing so and it is so fun to just come up with these stories and see where it goes and um some things are totally out of your control when you roll the dice and they don't go the way you want them to and it's just a good time so if anybody's ever been on the fence about D&D and been interested I totally encourage you to find some people and do it because it's a lot of fun nice Uh, My last game was Minecraft. (laughs) (laughs) I know you played a lot of Minecraft this year. I did play a lot of Minecraft this year. Uh, We started playing it again as the internet. It got a very big surge on the internet again, which was fascinating to watch because it never went away. Yeah. Uh, Just what happened really is PewDiePie started playing it. And And he has a lot of influence. (laughs) Yeah, he has a lot of influence even if he doesn't play video games most of the time for his videos now but because he did it it made a ripple effect that other the people that were playing minecraft before obviously kept playing it but people that weren't playing it started playing it mm-hmm. and it, i don't know it was just fun <laughs> yeah <laughs> they'd added a lot of stuff since ryan and i last played there were pandas uh we actually did something we never did before and built the portal to the netherworld which was very terrifying <laughs> i did not like it in there <laughs> chelsea did not like <laughs> i did not like um we went back and i made rainbow sheep it's just a, it's a nice relaxing game it's as low stakes as you want to make it it's i've said this so much in this podcast and in our last one but it's the great british fake-off of video games Yes, there's a reoccurring theme here with content Chelsea likes. (laughs) (laughs) I like Great British Bake Off, and I like to compare things on a wholesome scale. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) On a scale of one to Great British Baking Show, how wholesome are you? (laughs) So yeah, that was my top three video games. Um, I'm hoping there'll be more games I'm interested in next year. Because if it is a shooter, it needs to have a good story and have something else for me to do like grand theft auto yeah not just like straight up call of duty yeah like that it's just not my jam i don't want all my games to be shooting and guns 
And I feel like 2018, I had several games come out that were not that. And then this year, I was like, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I guess uh, this game did not come out this year, but my honorable mention would be Spider-Man because Kevin has started playing it. And it is a lot of fun to sit there and watch him button mash all the hell through everything to just try to get through it. You know, I love a good button mash every once in a while. And I, Spider-Man was my top game last year. Yeah, he's he's very much enjoying it. It is fun. So our next category is YouTube channels. And the first one that I have is actually one that would be on my list anyway. But I sourced it from Kevin just to get some outside opinions on the best things of 2019. Um, so the first one I have on here is Gus Johnson, who <laughs> some people may have seen on Vine before because i remember him from vine but i kind of just rediscovered him on youtube this year and was like oh my god why have i not been watching these the whole time um it is just completely stupid dumb humor and it's one of those things that maybe again if you explain it to someone it's not funny like you just have to watch it um in particular i recommend any of his godforsaken country videos (laughs) because it's him walking around the property with his mom as his camera person, just having random commentary on stuff. And you can tell his mom, like, appreciates his humor, but is also just kind of like, you are so stupid. Like, <laughs> As all our parents think of us when yes. we try to be funny. And it's just, there's also, a, like, a little series of videos he has called Indiana Jones. So, like, not Indiana, but Indiana. And he's, like, a six-year-old version of Indiana Jones. <laughs> And um, I believe it's his brother is the camera person for that series. But he just is like trying to corral six-year-old Indiana Jones all the time. So uh, that was Kevin's, but it would also be on my list. Uh, one that I have on my list. The other two we might share, but this one is Laserbeam. I did pick one of the many Fortnite YouTubers. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's one of the Australian ones. I... His videos are just very funny because he's not, most of the time he's not really trying. He's trying to, he, his little segment is called dumb shit science where he tries to <laughs> break Fortnite or, or do something really <laughs> silly. Like once, um, there was a, every time there's like a green colored skin, he usually like tries to like be against a green wall and see if anyone yeah. notices him and just like stays there. <laughs> and he, he plays with another Fortnite player named Mr. Fresh Asian that is a he's probably he's a professional one like he plays in the tournaments and usually he is the reason they win um he's just funny his Minecraft ones were funny too I asked Ryan his favorite YouTube channels because YouTube is his uh platform of choice for viewing most of the time and he did say laser beam as well because uh he did point this Ryan pointed this out and I think it is a good point that Beyond his humor and the videos he makes, he's very honest about his mental health, mm-hmm. which I know he has a broad range of audience. There are much younger people than me and Ryan that watch him, uh, but he's very honest about having anxiety, having to take breaks for it, like how that affects him. And I think that is a good that's use. important. Yeah. I think that's a good use of his popularity to like be like, hey, I'm a human. And also mental health is important, so. Very much so. Um, 
the next one on my list is I don't know if I've ever even told you about this channel. Ooh. So this might be good. So this channel is called Simply Sarah Kitchen. And if you are a fan of wholesome things, you are going to love this channel. <laughs> I'm a fan of wholesome things. Um, so I actually came across Sarah's channel because of coming across one of her videos on something that was like poking fun at the video because to be fair, this recipe she was doing basically involved an entire jar of mayonnaise. <laughs> and I was like, oh, honey. We don't, we don't need Germanies in whatever this is, you know. And so I think where I came across it originally was someone sharing that as a, like, look at this ridiculous recipe thing. But then I checked out her full channel. And while Sarah does have some recipes that I would be like, girl, I don't think I'm going to, you know, eat that. By and large, what Sarah does is just good down-home comfort food cooking. And she is so heartwarming. She is a kind, wonderful person. She's great to listen to as she describes her recipes and goes through them. Um, I would say, yeah, she has those few recipes that I'm like, "Mm, I don't think so, Sarah. But by and large, she has recipes that I'm like, hell yeah, I would make that. That looks delicious. (laughs) And she has like 160,000 followers or subscribers, I should say. Um, And she is just such a warm kind person to watch videos of and so if you're looking for just like content that it doesn't require anything of you except to watch a lovely person make some great comfort food absolutely check her out so i recommend simply sarah kitchen (laughs) that is nice uh my wholesome channel (laughs) was rosanna panzino i do love rosanna panzino i do too she's just so cute and like optimistic and having a good time doing whatever doing whatever whatever she's doing cooking or not yeah she's done a lot of videos lately that are not cooking but i don't care she's just very calming and relaxing to watch Mm -hmm. and my final one it was jacksepticeye he was on my list too he was on my list last year but he's still uh, remained consistently my favorite Let's Player, uh, just because he, he plays a wide variety of things, and I don't know. He's still funny he's to also me. I feel like kind, I've grown up with him still. <laughs> yeah, and he's also a kind, genuine, warm person. Yeah. I, there's a yeah. lot of other Let's Players I watch, but he is still consistently my favorite one. Yes. Same with me. Um, In addition to Jack... The last one I had on my list, which I haven't watched everything on this channel, but I'll get into the reason I have this on this list in particular, is um, the Unis Annis channel. Oh, I haven't actually watched anything on it yet. (laughs) um, That Markiplier and uh, Crank Gameplays are doing, Mark and Ethan. And, I mean, the stuff on there is just like silly, lighthearted things, but just the whole concept of it is fascinating to me because it really speaks to how with things like Instagram and YouTube, when people become, um, you know, social media stars, there's a lot of the time they get that way because they consistently curate an image. Right. And they curate content specifically for this brand that they've built. 
And the Unis Anis channel is they're going to upload every day for a full year. And at the end of the year, they're deleting the entire channel. Yeah. So it's nothing is staying. They're doing whatever the heck they want. And the concept of it is fascinating to me because it is both so curated and branded and not at the yeah. same time. So just from like that perspective, it's it's just very interesting. I know the most recent one they did was just Ethan destroying this old van they had with a baseball bat. Yeah. So <laughs> it's it's all just ridiculous stuff like that. And I think creators feel like sometimes they can't branch out and try new things because it's not going to go over well with their audience. So I think for them, this is the channel where they do literally whatever stupid idea comes to mind and put it out there. And I'm assuming that channel is also monetized, so they just have another income stream and that they don't have to worry about affecting their other channels. So um, for that reason, I also put that one. Yeah. Uh, my honorable mention was the other one that Ryan said, <laughs> which is actually not nerdy at all, but it is a YouTube channel that I really like as well called The Straight Pipes. It's a car review channel from Canada. I would say that's absolutely a nerdy channel. Yeah, we watch a lot of different car and overlanding and off-running channels because we are both interested in it. It's not just Ryan. And I really like the straight pipes too because it is... I think when we started watching it, they still had day jobs. And now this mm -hmm. is their job. And it is it's purely just two guys who like talking about cars. Yeah. And like They're very nice people in my perception of them. Obviously, I haven't met them in real life, but... I follow them on Instagram, too, and one of them is also really nerdy, and there's just a certain joy in when they get, like, a sports car or a supercar, and, you know, you always have to floor it. Yeah. And every time, whoever's driving will floor it, and they both, like, sink back in the seat and, like, look like they're in pain. Like, <laughs> I don't know. There's just, like, it gives me joy that they're like, I love this thing, but it's also scary. Yeah, <laughs> it's a good car review channel, especially if you're not extremely car savvy, like you find different types of cars interesting, but they're not going to like go deep into the parts of it that you don't understand. Mm -hmm. Like they review like what it feels like to drive and the stuff on the console and they always test if the visors will flick back <laughs> and if a small cup of coffee fits. I mean, it sounds fun to me. It is fun. It's a fun channel. Uh, if we move on to books, uh, for a reminder from last year, when we do books, we don't do books that came out necessarily in 2019. Uh, we do books that we read that year because I feel like, well, we both feel like books are timeless. You're not going to read books that came out that year just that year. Like you might read no. in 2019, you might read something from 1987. Yeah. In yeah. fact, Kevin is reading 1987 this year. Oh. <laughs> You mean 1984? <laughs> oh, 1984. <laughs> Whoa, that was a faux pas. Yes, Kevin is currently reading 1984. Okay, so my top three books. One did it come out in 2019. It is Call Down the Hawk by Maggie Stiefvater. Um, she did the Raven Boys series. And this is not a continuation of those, but it is a spinoff, basically, about Ronan. Uh, getting and into some weird dream shit. Again, can you believe I have not read this yet? Well, but. it only came out last month. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's only been out about a month, so. I know. You would just think with how much I love the Raven Boys and Ronan in particular, I would have got that the day it came out, but. Oh, it life. is. It's a beautiful book. I really love it. Uh, the next one I have on here is The Last One by Alexandra Oliva, which came out in 2017? I'm not sure when it came out. I'm it excited. That was, that was a book I told you to read. Yes, I absolutely adored it. I think it was her debut novel. Uh, it's about the world ending while someone is on a survival, like an extreme survival TV show, and it takes her a while to figure out that the world has ended like a, a pandemic has happened she doesn't figure it out she thinks it's all for the tv show um it's super great has a lot of emotion in it the characters are fascinating and i really love that one and my last one was also a recommendation from you called my sister the serial killer oh yay bye <laughs> oh gosh i i have Lincoln, to say i would butcher her name <laughs> yeah Brothwaite I'm so sorry <laughs> um I picked that book because it was also it was very interesting on the serial killer genre um I loved the realization at the end it was kind of madman-ish honestly mm-hmm. I loved the ending but just the parallel of what the main character realizes about themselves was shown very well mm-hmm. and I felt very satisfied with it uh the main character is very, very interesting, and her voice is very unique. Highly recommend that one as well. I would definitely recommend both of those last ones you said, too. They're not ones I had on my list, but they were very close to being on the list. <laughs> um, so the four that I have are actually not a single one was published in 2019, but such is life. Um, I had Where the Crawdads Sing by Delia Owens, which... I'm a little late to this book. I feel like everybody and their mother's already read that, but I haven't read it um, This was one that one of those books that had a huge hype around it, and I was like, "Oh, I mean, things very rarely live up to the huge hype." This book lived up to the hype every step of the way, right until the ending, when I was like, "Oh my god, I <laughs> love that." Um, it was written by a woman who this was her first novel, and before this, she just wrote. Uh, maybe books but articles about wildlife and that kind of thing and her love of nature comes through in this book and it's beautiful absolutely recommend um my second one was station 11 by emily st john mandel Yay! that's one of which my favorite Chelsea, books <laughs> she tried to get me to read it forever and i finally did it was absolutely beautiful it does change perspective and time frequently um so if you're someone that is really bothered by that you might have a more difficult time, but it's just very poetic. Um, I recommended it to a coworker of mine who I think mentions it to me once a month now about how much she likes Station Eleven. Um, there is an HBO limited series of it coming. Yeah. So that is exciting too. Um, another one of mine was The Woman in the Window by A.J. Finn which um, was another one that had a lot of hype around it that I thought it wasn't going to live up to, and it, it did for me. Um, it's a great mystery. We've talked about it on the podcast before. I don't even want to give you much detail about it because it's much better if you don't know what you're getting to getting into with it. There is a movie version of it that was supposed to come out in October and then got pushed to, like, February and now got pushed to, like, May, and that's greatly concerning to me. 
Um, so we'll see how that <laughs> turned out. Um, and then my last one was Dr. Sleep by Stephen King. Um, I actually read both The Shining and Dr. Sleep this year and then just recently saw the Dr. Sleep movie. I actually saw the movie before I read the book version. I did that kind of backwards. But um, I will say the movie version is definitely, I, I figured it was going to be different because the Shining book and the Shining movie end very differently. Um, and it, it was. It had to follow the movie a little bit better. I think the movie version was great. They did a really nice job with what it was. I will say both The Shining and Dr. Sleep are absolutely worth reading and um there's while there's scary stuff in there, they are a lot more about addiction and anger and coping with anger and rage and that kind of thing and I think they are very personal to Stephen King and you can tell. Yeah, the real scary stuff. Yes, and it's really fascinating to read both knowing that he was still um, not even really recovering alcoholic when he wrote The Shining. And now he is someone that is a recovered alcoholic. Um, and you can you can see the differences in the books. So um, totally recommend both of those. Lovely. Our next category is podcasts. Uh, for my top three, the first one is The Edge of Sleep which is by Wood Elf and Q-Code, was produced by Markiplier, and he starred as the main character in it. Yes, you told me about this one. Yeah, it was super interesting. I kind of hope they make another series of it because it ended in a baffling place that answered none of my questions. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe that was the point. Like, to not have any of the questions answered. Uh, But it was really good. The voice acting in it was very good, and the sound effects and the sound editing. We all know how much I love sound Mm -hmm. mixing and editing um i really liked it because for some reason i can't do audiobooks like usually my podcasts have to be not stories but these episodes is kind i mean it was a fictional story so the all the episodes were 30 minutes or less like 20 to 30 minutes and it was just enough time that i didn't lose the thread Especially since I usually listen to podcasts while I'm driving. Mm-hmm. So I need things that I can tune out of for a minute and then tune back into. Uh, but it was really good. It was a very interesting original story. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that was a good one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the next one was Reply All, which I think I had last year too. They didn't have any major episodes this year, like the Snapchat Thief or the long distance ones from the past. Uh, but I do think a lot of the episodes they did this year were very solid and interesting. Uh, a highlight one was the Feral Hogs one. The Feral Hogs yes. one. My favorite meme of probably all time, honestly. Yeah. 50 feral hogs in your yard within three to five minutes <laughs> where your small children play. It, it's such a funny tweet. And it just starts with them or with PJ. I think it was PJ in that one. Tracking down the guy who wrote that tweet to ask him about it. And then it turns into investigating luxury sport of killing feral hogs and how that's made the feral hog problem worse and this poor guy really does have that specific problem (laughs) yeah he it really is a dangerous issue yeah but they had a lot of good episodes there was um adam pisces and the two dollar coke from earlier in the year that i remember and they did one uh the 
UFO in the pictures on Google Maps was the most recent one, I think. It's just a solid podcast. It's very interesting. Um, I love how it starts with like a little question and then it somehow usually takes them somewhere they didn't expect to get to. Yeah. And my last one is not very nerdy, but it is a great podcast called Why Won't You Date Me by Nicole Byer <laughs> that I should have I been Nicole listening Byer. to. I think she's had it for a couple years. I should have started a couple years ago because I love Nicole Byer and it's just so good. She has a different person every week and they talk, you know, loosely about dating and relationships, but really whatever, wherever their conversation goes, she goes with it. Uh, she's incredibly funny. I know she's, she, no comedian is funny to everybody, but she is exactly my brand of humor. Yeah. <laughs> And at the end of every episode, she asks her guests um, if they would date her. And like 90% of the time they say yes, but I'm always scandalized when someone says no. Because <laughs> I would date Nicole Meyer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's, a, it's a really good feel-good podcast. Um, and she, it's not like watching a comedian stand-up one because she's just, it's just naturally her. She's just naturally funny. Mm-hmm. Um, but she does talk about like, not funny thing sometimes too i just really love nicole byer a lot (laughs) (laughs) um on my list i had none of the same ones for podcasts so that's exciting (laughs) um the first one i had is a podcast called the clearing which is by uh, gimlet media and hosted by a journalist named josh dean and this focuses on um kind of the backstory of a serial killer named edward wayne edwards and some people might be familiar with his name because he did eventually do time for um some of the murders he committed and admitted to several um but the reason he was finally caught is that his daughter um turned him in after hearing about a cold case that she realized this is my dad and so she turned him in and then a lot of her very strange childhood made a lot more sense. Um, but what the podcast is actually about is her journey with this journalist um, because once she turned him in and he was in the news and everything, this other guy picked up on the story and became convinced that Edward Wayne Edwards was the most prolific serial killer in history and was responsible for a lot of things like the Black Dahlia murder, Jean Benet Ramsey was the Zodiac, and all these things, and had uh, like this idea that this is who he was. And she knew he wasn't, her dad didn't do all of these things because it was just nonsensical. And so then she was in this position of having to be like, my dad's a monster, but he's not that monster. Yeah, he's not and, that monster you're looking for. Yeah, and how what that did to her as a person to be in that position and her interactions with some of the family members of her dad's victims and stuff like that. It's There's about eight episodes, and I think they're done with it for the moment, and it was just – it was a very well done and a very fascinating podcast. Um, I also have – race chaser by forever dog (laughs) hosted by alaska and willem who have appeared on rupaul's drag race but have prolific careers well beyond that um and they have kind of two segments where they one is they do um race chaser classique where they watch every episode of a previous season of rupaul's drag race and go over 
each episode in detail. I think they've done the first three seasons. Um, they also do the same thing for s- new seasons live as they come out. And they also do a hot goss segment where they just do a lot of like gossip and rumors and news and all different kinds of things. And just the two of them are such a good pair and so funny and interesting to listen to. And you can tell they're just like, it's just really like probably the text message conversations the two of them were having anyway. Yeah. Um. So it's fun to listen to. And my last one is The Indicator by Planet Money, which is actually something that Kevin listens to every morning. They're usually short, like 10 minutes long. Mm-hmm. And this thing has helped me understand economics like you would not believe. So <laughs> um, the hosts are really fun. Um, they help things like just become clear to me about really boring complex topics so i totally recommend that yeah ryan loves the indicator too it's a good one it is uh okay Uh, so the last category we have is movies yes and and i'm willing to bet you have honorable mentions i do i as do i we did the same thing last year where i made us pick four instead of three because they were all marvel (laughs) Yes. Um, So I think what we should do is actually list off our honorable mentions first so we can see what did not make the cut for us. Okay. My honorable mentions, I have four. Um, I have Detective Pikachu. Mm -hmm. It Chapter 2. El Camino. And Ford versus Ferrari for a plot twist for you. <laughs> I also asked Ryan his favorite movie he saw this year, and it was Ford versus Ferrari as well. I I would be willing to bet it was. I would have been surprised if he said something else. Yeah. Um, I have 10 honorable mentions. Movies was a category I did not have a good year seeing movies. There's so yeah. many that I'm desperate to see that I haven't seen yet. Yeah, and there's there's a lot I haven't seen, but I still managed to actually see quite a few. So narrowing it down was pretty hard. And then I had to go back and be like, oh, yeah, that came out in February, and that was great. So my honorable mentions include Zombieland 2. Which I have not seen. It's, um, that's the one that I'm Pikachu. desperate to see. Yes, I, well, <laughs> it was almost on my list, and then it got bumped for something else. Um, Detective Pikachu, Us, uh, The Lighthouse, Toy Story 4. Spider-Man Far From Home, Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, Hustlers, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and It Chapter 2. See, I haven't even seen Toy Story 4. That's how so, bad I was on movies this year. So Maybe those I are do all need things... Disney Plus, so I yeah. can see Toy Story 4. Oh, Mickey Mouse, as we talked about in the last episode. Um, so those are all things that actually didn't make my top four list. Um I also want to say that we are recording this before either of us have seen Rise of Skywalker. Um, But I'm pretty sure that's on my list (laughs) for a lot of reasons. Um, So in addition to like the four that I picked, I do just have like Rise of Skywalker is probably there. Yeah. In my top four, I did put Rise of Skywalker, which was a gamble because I haven't seen it yet. And Mm -hmm. we all know what happened with Game of Thrones. Yes. But also like with Game of Thrones... (laughs) Even if it really isn't that great or there's some disappointing stuff, it's still wrapping up something that's been such a huge part of my life. Yes. So, and I, I love the characters in this saga so much. Yeah. And not only is it kind of, it's wrapping up Ray and Poe and Finn, but it also is um, Leia and 
and Luke, Luke and, and Han Solo. Yeah. Yeah, so it'll it'll still be on my list for sure. Yeah, I did um, put it in my top four, but I, I cheated I and it. <laughs> I cheated and made it number five. <laughs> so um to start off my actual list of four, since we just kicked off yours with Rise of Skywalker, um, I did put Avengers Endgame on here because that was again a finale. Um, which if you're seeing a pattern here, we will wrap up this episode with that. But um, it was a finale, and it was a finale that, in my opinion, was done well. Yes. I and also had Endgame. Yes. There were – it was long as hell. Um, I know it was kind of fun to look before we went to find specific recommendations of when you should go to the bathroom so you didn't miss anything. <laughs> um, but it was – so well done i was so pleased with it there were more than one there was more than one moment in that movie when i was like literally almost out of my chair because i was like so pumped about it and one of the big ones being um when they pan from thor and thanos over there and realize that it was captain america that threw the hammer at him Mm -hmm. and he stands there and gets the lightning to come down oh my god oh my god that was just thrilling and of course everybody coming back through the um the little portals from dr strange i mean we knew everyone was coming back we knew it but that didn't make it less any less impactful you know when it happened yeah i i thought endgame was the perfect end um it gave every character where they needed to be i think black Mm -hmm. widow's a little debatable yes i feel like I kind of feel like she was thrown in there for a shocking death because we all knew either Iron Man or Captain America was going to die. Mm-hmm. And no one expected her to go. So I kind of feel like she was thrown in there, but she also makes sense over Hawkeye in that situation. Yeah, it it made more sense for her to be have a sacrificial feeling than him just because he'd been, I don't know, like gone yeah. for a while. And um, where the Avengers were her only family he also had a wife and kids and i feel like in those two next to each other it would make more sense in her mind like yeah. oh i have to do it because he has something you have to daughters. get back yeah <laughs> yeah and i will say to. the beginning of that movie the choice they made with having it be hawkeye and his family disappearing that was like a gut punch oh yeah that they, hurt <laughs> they did that scene very well yeah, uh, because the minute they showed him, I was like, oh, you bastards, I know exactly what you're doing. Yep. <laughs> you're going to make us sit through that. Because we all kind of figured, you know, when we saw him in the trailer, that that's probably what had happened. Um, But there were there were just so many good things. I, I saw some people who didn't like Captain America's ending, and I loved it. Oh, I loved where we ended with that. I loved it. He got to go back and be with Peggy, and it, sure, the, the time warbliness does bring up a few questions but i just like to think that that meant that in the scene that we got when he originally got to go see peggy when she was in the hospital and old you know after he'd come back initially yeah i just like to think that other cap actually really was there and he just he knew he was coming so he ducked out and um peggy just got to enjoy seeing this other version of cap you know yeah because she wasn't like shocked right it's been a yeah. long time since I've seen that. I, 
I like to think she wasn't shocked at all, and it's because the other Captain America was just down the hall. Yeah. You know, so I, I, I loved that. And he, he knew younger him had it covered. Like, yeah. would take care of all the shit so he could go finally have his dance with Peggy and then live out live a life his with life. her. Yeah, and because I, I know some people are like, well, but how could he not help with the stuff that was going on? I was like, because he knew it worked he out had fine. It. Yeah. He already did it. He, he knew, knew it was we going to be okay. <laughs> yeah. So, and the other him was dealing with it, so. America's ass had it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I just good. loved it. Yes, and, I was happy with it. Yeah. Yes, and Iron Man's... Uh, it was his was quite sad. Yeah, but it was his ultimate redemption yeah. from where he started in Iron Man 1 as a weapons manufacturer. Yes. Yeah. I I will say uh, Far From Home was on my honorable mentions just barely because that was a fantastic movie too. But having, excuse me, zombie Tony Stark in that film oh, was, was a little, rude. was rude. <laughs> and, you know, poor Peter crying about missing Tony. Ugh, sad. Yeah. I did have, to no one's surprise, I did have Spider-Man Far From Home in my top four. It was a it was a really good movie. Yeah. I Potentially, think it handled introducing what happened after all the timey-wimey stuff, where they're like, yes, yeah, we I really did that. come back five years later still as teenagers. Or there was yeah. that one kid that was like, my younger brother's older than me now. <laughs> yeah. I love that they so tongue-in-cheek addressed that, you know, like... We get this is weird as hell. Like, how could this be, you know, working? And they have all the, um, you know, like the the support groups and stuff going on for the people that came back and yeah, and all of that. And they just had to. I mean, when you're talking about time travel, no one knows how it would really work because it doesn't exist. exist. Yeah. So in that world. And how they played it, it does make sense to me that they would just all have to go back to school and, like, kind of pick yeah, up where you left off, even though it's five years later. Yeah, and all these people that are like, um, I've I've lived five years already, and now I have to do it over again. Yeah. <laughs> like, that that sucks. I would, I mean, honestly, it wasn't on my top four just by a, a very thin margin, but I would say that is maybe one of the best Spider-Man movies ever done in the MCU. Yeah, I think so. I would stand by the best Spider-Man movie ever done was um, Into the Spider-Verse. Yeah. For a lot of reasons. But in the MCU, Far From Home may be it. And that's really crazy to say, considering how many Spider-Man movies there's been. Yeah, it's true. So. Um, <laughs> the next one on my list was one I saw just recently, which was Knives Out. I, and I really want to see that one, but I haven't. Well, because of because you haven't seen it, and because it is fairly recent, I will actually keep this part spoiler free. Um, because the less you know about it going in, the better. Um, but I will say it is a clue style murder mystery. Mm-hmm. You can get that from the trailer, and even when you think you've got it pretty figured out, you don't, and it it twists a lot of things that um were really unique and it has some very strong social commentary which i didn't expect and i loved it's very timely um commentary about immigration and who is in the one percent and 
honestly, it has Jamie Lee Curtis in it, so how could I not love everything yeah. about it? Um, but I would say go watch it with knowing as little as possible. It's good to know because I have been very tempted to look up who the killer is. Yes, you don't do it. Don't do it. Just go see it. <laughs> is it? Is it actually a surprise but still makes sense at least? Yes. It's not like, who in this family is the killer? And in the last five minutes, it's the gardener who's been outside the whole time mowing the lawn. Yeah. It's, all, it's, it's not a Scooby-Doo moment. It's, okay. And it's it not takes like a, um, the train movie where they all did it. Oh, uh, Orient Express? Yes. Um, no. It's not like that either. No, good. Yes. It is a comedy of errors. I will also say that. Interesting. Uh, My last movie in my top four is Captain Marvel. (laughs) I really, I try so hard to, I really think about all the movies I've seen and not make all my top ones Marvel movies, but they were good this year. They they were good. Uh, I really loved Captain Marvel. I thought the, I don't remember what their race was, but the aliens that were the bad guys, quote unquote, Mm -hmm. turned out to be, um, the victims of everything. Mm-hmm. I really liked that change. Um, I really liked Captain Marvel and her friend. Mm-hmm. And that relationship. And how she And didn't... the friend's daughter. Yeah. I liked how the the love story in the movie was not her and a man. It was it doesn't maybe it was hinting at romantic love, maybe it wasn't, but it was just it was just love between yeah. her, her and her best friend and her daughter. Yeah, it was a nice change. Yeah. And I, I think the story was solid. I loved the cat. Yes, I did love the cat. <laughs> yeah. I, I, it, was, it was a good Marvel movie. I'm glad Captain Marvel. It, it may have gotten a little less emotion out of me than Wonder Woman did. Yeah. If we're comparing those, but... Yeah. yeah, maybe just like a, a smidge, but um, the last two that I have on here to continue the theme of women being great leads in movies, I did have Booksmart Which is on another here. one I really want to see and I have not. Um, Booksmart, I recommended everybody and their mother because um, I, I did love Superbad and I don't necessarily want to just say this is Superbad, but with girls because that's not true but it's in the style of super bad like that crass funny high school coming of age story and it really gets being a teenage girl right like this is as much as i adore mean girls i love mean girls that is a, a classic movie um and there's nothing wrong with it but being a teen girl is not always like having the Regina's and the Katie's of the world. Yeah. Like that's not it's always what it is. It's a lot more complicated is. than that. There's a lot more overlap. There's a lot more nuance happening there. And this movie gets it right. It gets friendship right. Um and it is outright hysterical. Um and it just I don't know, it really it's one of those movies that reminds me how important representation is and how long of a way we still have to go because I remember when we were leaving, I told Kevin, I was like, I've seen a lot of coming of age high school movies that I love. And the closest thing I can think of to like 
something that um, really resonated with me of like, I feel like I was represented there would have maybe been 16 candles and that doesn't even like hold up yeah. that much. Um, so while like there's, I love super bad and there's like all these other stuff, all these other movies that were great. This was like the first time that I was like, I was in that movie and it sounds kind of silly to say that as like a white woman because I get it a lot better than other people do. But I've just never seen growing up as a woman in America represented that way. And so I loved it. Yeah. It was great. I, I haven't seen it, but from what I've seen about it. I feel like what you said, more of a connection of me growing up as a teenager where I wasn't, you know, there's not the black and white, the cool kids and the nerds and the cool kids are mean to the nerds. Like, yeah, I wasn't a cool kid, but I wasn't like an outcast either. Like I had a lot of friends Mm -hmm. and maybe it's more of a small town thing. I don't know how big, uh, big schools were. But yeah, was, I don't know. It was a lot of overlap, especially since we grew up with all the same people. Like, Yeah. <laughs> I've known and these Billy people Lord... my whole life, you know, when you get to high school. Yeah. You still have known them since you were four. Yeah. And <laughs> Billy Lord is in this movie who, kind of like Jamie, Cur- Jamie Lee Curtis, how can I not love a movie or anything when Billy Lord is in it? So that one, I highly recommend to everyone. And then the last one I had on my list actually came back out, came out way back in February um, and I'm kind of bummed that I feel like a lot of people have forgotten about it now because it was such a fantastic movie. It was Alita Battle Angel. And this was another movie that I feel like did a really awesome job with the female hero protagonist central character. Um, I really, really hope there is a second movie made. I'm worried it didn't do good enough for there to be a second movie. It leaves with a clear opportunity for one. Um, but it was a lot of fun. It was unique. It was well done. Um, it was a, it was a really good example of a comic book movie or a graphic novel outside of the Marvel universe being done really well. So another one that I hope to see more of. Yeah. I have a lot of movies from this year that I have to catch up on because I, it was just not a good year for me getting to see movies. Just in Yeah. It happens. So the final thing I put on here is not a category, but since it is a year that a lot of things ended, uh, Game of Thrones ended, Star Wars is going to end, Avengers ended, Silicon Valley ended. (laughs) Um, The Good Place almost did. The Good Place almost ended. There were other things. Mm -hmm. It was a year of finales. So what... You only get one, but what do you think oh. is the best finale? Okay, so I, <laughs> I wrote down three things, but I would say if I'm only going to pick one, the best finale was Endgame. Yes, out that, of all of them. I agree. I only wrote as, down one, and it was that. As much as I feel like Rise of Skywalker is going to be amazing, I think I probably still would say Endgame. Um, so I know that's my one. I will tell you the other two things I wrote down just because they're they're a little bit more tongue-in-cheek. They're not like a specific thing. I put down Clegane Bowl. Oh. <laughs> because that was the best finale yeah, out of the fair. Game of Thrones finale. <laughs> uh, because it was shot well. We'd all been waiting for it. And that was... And it was satisfying. One, yeah. That was one story wrap-up that did not disappoint in there. And then, just kind of tongue-in-cheek, I put The Decade. Oh. 
the decade had the best finale. <laughs> so, well, the decade is ending with a Star Wars movie, so mm-hmm. that's cool. It's it is just kind of fascinating how many finales did happen this year in particular. Yeah, with it being the end of a decade too. Yeah. Yeah, it's and I mean some of that is likely on purpose. Some of it just happened to happen that way. Yeah, I guess, it just happened but to do that. It just is. I don't know. It's it's all very poignant. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So it has been. It has been quite a year. It has been quite a decade. Yeah, I'm hoping my life will settle a little bit soon, so I can catch up on some 2019 stuff before. 2020 stuff really starts going yeah i need to finish kingdom hearts (laughs) yeah well i think after this i'm going to go play some death stranding so maybe i'll finish that one but um i think we're going to maybe try to watch some of these tv shows or movies tonight that are on the list that we haven't done yet so we'll try to get even more of 2019 in before it's officially over yeah i'm just glad i got kevin to watch a lot more Silicon Valley. Oh, and he's been watching it. So, <laughs> <laughs> one small victory in my endless list of things I sent to you to watch. Yes. <laughs> We're checking them off slowly, one <laughs> at a time. Well, thanks for joining us again for another year of Nerd Ascended, our second technical year. I guess not a full 24 months that we've been doing it, but. It is exciting to wrap up a full year of Nerd Ascended, and thank you everybody for listening to our rants and raves and opinions and long-winded discussions of things. Yeah. Um, We would love to hear what your favorite things from this year were. Send us an email. Text me, call me, send me a carrier pigeon, DM me on Instagram. But I would love to know what some of your favorite things were and what things that we have admitted to not seeing that we definitely need to prioritize. I thought I really thought you were gonna say, um, "Call me, beat me if you want to reach me." Call me, beat me if you want to reach me. <laughs> something, something. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe we need Disney Plus to watch Impossible again. <laughs> oh, Baby Yoda is calling. Okay. We'll see you in twenty twenty with Baby yes. Yoda and Impossible, I guess. <laughs> yeah. We'll see you all next year, nerds. Bye, nerds. Our intro and outro music is courtesy of Sneaky Creaky on Yummy Sound. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Nerd Ascended. You can also email us at nerdascendedpodcast at gmail.com. And ratings are always appreciated.